Hello and welcome to the Fuel for Life podcast. I'm your host, Bogdan Kipko, and I believe that whatever fills your mind fuels your life. This is why I am dedicated to helping you excel in life, have a vibrant faith, and reject mediocrity. I believe that your greatest accomplishments and most rewarding milestones are closer than you think. So let's fuel up and get fired up to live the life that God created for us to live. I want to talk about uh, the the source and the the wells to which we go to as humans where we get our meaning, our significance, our approval, and generally our um, our drive or our desire to to exist and to function. Mondays are awesome, I agree. So that's kind of what I, that's what I want to talk about today. And um, I think the, for the far majority of us, uh, those who are uh, thinkers and um, who are introspective, and if you are somebody who just doesn't exist, but you're constantly thinking about how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you spend your resources, um, who you hang out with, um, there, there must be a worldview or uh, something that shapes you, that uh, informs you, that, that motivates you. And for every person, it's different. And I think for followers of Jesus, it must be very distinct. And I think there's a big um, disconnect happening right now, uh, especially with um, the advent of, for the last five, 10 years, social media, even 15 years, uh, social media and, and just mo- motivation. And I want to talk about the motivation piece because um, I, I believe that you motivation only gets you so far. Um, there needs to be a drive within you. There needs to be a divine spark within your heart where it drives everything that you do. So um, there, where do we draw meaning where do we draw approval from? Where do we draw validation from? And I want to ask you a question that you can just put in the comments below. Um, what ultimately, do? You, how do you define success? How do you define uh, that you've made it in life or that you are making it or that you're making an impact or you're making a difference? And answers can be very different. And it's fine to put whatever you think because I asked this question in my church two weeks ago. I said, what is one thing that if it was given to you right now, I asked my audience, I asked my church members, I said, what is one thing, shout it out, the one thing that if it was given to you right now, all your problems would be solved? Like, what is it? And so the first couple of minutes, people were a little bit afraid to answer because maybe some of the things we would say would sound superficial, but that's not superficial. That's just, it's just being human. Sub the real Mariana. So what basically people started saying, and I agreed with them as people said, somebody said, well, money. If I had more money, my problems would be solved. Other people said health. If, if, my, if my health got significantly better, 
everything else in my life would be better. People said my, if my relationships were fixed, if I had um, certain um, uh, fractured relationships reconciled once more, then my life would be complete and my life would be perfect. Well, all of us, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, we understand that even those things, even they get solved and resolved, we still are going to experience um, a lack of happiness or a lack of joy or a, a lack of, of a validation in our, in, our, in our life. That's just the reality, right? So I wanna talk about where do we draw the meaning of our life from? Uh, where do we draw uh, 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 significance uh, for our life from? And I, online world, we are completely inundated with people um, giving us tips on how to survive life. We basically, as a culture, have been um, relegated down to quotes and quips and sound bites um, and images with quotes on them. And I love those. I have a ton of them on my on my Instagram. Um, and, and, and we think that those things will kind of solve our issues or problems. Um, and what it kind of seems like to me that's been, what's been happening is that, um, there's this like level of like, we talk about, um, hustle all the time. People say, you got to work hard. You got to hustle, like hustle, crush it. Are you crushing it? Um, it, this not even, that doesn't even exist only in secular circles. It exists in Christian circles. Like people are like, yeah, we, 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 we're, we're doing really well in success. And this whole, like, we have a whole industry built on it. Um, the whole evangelical, um, industrial complex is built on it. And there's so many books and conferences and just tips and tricks and, um, uh, uh, people, what's up, what's up, Trent? Uh, people um, selling you courses and uh, different webinars and different seminars and different conferences that are incredibly expensive and all these places and all these things are basically trying to teach uh, a particular way to live, a particular worldview. And so we have gurus and self-help people and we have leaders and we have this whole leadership industrial complex that exists. and. I'm not against it in any way, and I probably in, am in some form uh, a part of it because of the podcast or church planting or whatever it is. We, we do want people to do well. We want people to thrive. We want people to succeed. We want marriages to be reconciled. We want uh, parents to be with their children, children to be with their parents, and we want people to have good careers and to be financially stable. Um, and I, and, I, and I agree with all of that. That is very, very true and that's very, very good. And so many, many books that we read, many even Christian books that we read today, um, they're often telling us and teaching us about how to soar like an eagle, how to uh, save nothing for the next life, how, how to just live our best life now. And, and, it's, and it's very motivational, it's very inspiring. And I think that's all good, but here's, I guess, the rub or the, where I find a little bit of a problem with it and where I've just been like thinking, thinking, thinking through this and I don't have all the answers. I'm wrestling through this particular um, issues myself. I wanna say that um, what if, what if, because success is very much 
um, it's very arbitrary. Um, I know there's quotes such as the harder I work, the luckier I get. I completely agree with you. But if you tried to um, come up with case studies, you could literally find people who worked really hard and who did everything right and who did not experience success, whether in the finances or in relationships. Like we, we've even seen people, um, very, very famous uh, evangelical leaders who um, have said like, uh, they they were part of an organization. They were leading people. They basically uh, were teaching people how to have like great marriages. And then they ha- they were married for like twenty five years, and there's no sign of like anything bad happening. And then they get a divorce, basically. So how do we how do we explain how do we explain those kinds of things? Or people who were very business minded, very business oriented, and they got into a business and let's say they, they had money and they invested it, it with other partners and then like their partners that they went into business with, they stole all their money. Or you had money or exactly, or, or, or you had money or somebody gave you money, like somebody gave you a million dollars and is it, it's like, is it easier to start a business with a million dollars and to scale it or is it, is it, is it, will you have more scrap, so to speak, if you start at zero and then you scale your business? So there's, I, I, I just want us to understand that when, when social media gurus and people who are very successful, they portray certain aspects or certain principles, you can take those principles and you can ultimately apply them to your life, but it, there's no guarantees that that's going to happen. Uh, the Bible talks about the fact that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Um, and we shouldn't trust in our finances or in our wealth or in our intellect. And we even look at like the most like Uber CEO, the ride hailing app, which has become so incredibly successful. And he recently um, was ousted as CEO. So now he has to start over whatever he's doing to have another CEO now. And we talk about the Zuckerbergs of the world or the Jeff Bezos or the Elon Musks. Um, these, these incredible anomalies, that's the thing. It's their anomalies. That's not, that's less than 1% of the population of the world that are going to be like that. That's probably zero, 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 one percent of the population. So what, what do you do when you've tried everything? Cause I've heard, I've, 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 I've known people who basically they went to all the success conferences. They read all the books, they listened to all the podcasts, they done, they did everything and they spent all their money to do all these things and they still didn't reach any kind of modicum of success. So what do you do then? Well, um, ultimately, uh, the, 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 if you are a Christian and if you follow Jesus, you're, you're, you're going to function from a gospel narrative. And what do I mean by that? Um, exactly. They did lose their focus on Jesus. So the gospel narrative is ultimately the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the gospel narrative is that it's not me doing things with Jesus, it's Christ in me. It's not about how much I can do, it's about, it's about how much Jesus has done. And I wanna put some meat on that skeleton because a lot of times people are like, well, what does that mean, a gospel narrative? Uh, I'll just be honest with you guys how, how it looks for me, um, for my gospel narrative. So. In my church, this past Sunday, we preached on, I preached on Mark chapter 12, where Jesus has a conversation with uh, the, the Pharisees and the Herodians. And they're asking him a question about if, uh, if people should pay taxes to Caesar. 
And so this is an age-old question, and basically Jesus in one answer ultimately uh, answers a question incredibly well. And so when, when he asked them to show him a denarius, which is a form of currency in that day, um, he said, whose inscription is on the denarius? Whose picture is on here? So obviously it was a picture of Caesar. And so Jesus basically said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, but render to God that which is God's. So what Jesus was basically saying, a very simple thing is that, Whatever the government demands of you, give it to the government as long as it doesn't betray the, the worship of God. But whatever is God's, return it to God. Now, if the denarius that Jesus had, had an inscription of Caesar on it, and it belonged to Caesar, you and I, people who are created by God, we, whose image are we created in? We're created in the image of God. Therefore, Jesus himself said, return to God that which is God's. So what that basically means is that your entire life, you give it to God. You, you, you surrender it, you sacrifice it, you throw up the white flag and you're like, God, here I am, all I have is yours, you can have it all. So that, this is why I want to, um, I want to uh, encourage you to start living from a different narrative to understand that if you work your entire life and you don't reach a particular level of success that you desired, the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth, died in your place for your sin, rose again three days later and saved you from eternal uh, damnation, that is the, the, the pinnacle of, of success, if you will. That, that is the ultimate, that, that, that's it, you've won, you've won basically. If you if you have been born on this earth, and and the the you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether somebody shared it with you, whether you heard it in church, in a sermon, on a social media post, on a on a on a social media feed, it doesn't matter how the message was relayed to you through which method, but you heard it, and the Holy Spirit quickened your dead heart. And it came alive and, it, and, and, and the, the spiritual blindness fell off of your eyes and you were blind, but now you see and you're like, God, I understand now that you created me and I've sinned and I'm in need of a savior and I can't save myself. And many people will only come to the point when they're going to say, God, I've tried to have my finances save me. I've tried to have my athletic prowess save me. I've tried to have my um, attractiveness level save me. I've tried to have my relationships save me. I've tried to have my wife or my husband save me. I've tried to have my kids save me. I've tried to have my career save me. Or I've tried to have my boss save me. Or I've tried to have some fill in the blank save me. And those things always came up short. They gave me happiness or joy for a particular period of time, but I realized that they cannot bear the weight of my happiness or my delight. Only God can. God can withstand that weight. So if a person comes to uh, their life and they do repent and they do come to Jesus and Jesus saves them and he quickens their heart with this, the, the Holy Spirit, the architect of your salvation, and now... And now you're saved. So 
Whether you're rich, you're poor, you're successful, you're not, you have a great relationship with your spouse, you don't, you're married, you're single, you're divorced, whatever your station is in life, at the point of your conversion, at, at the point when you realize that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that everything you have is his and you render everything to him, at that point, you've, you've won. You've won. You, you've reached the greatest pinnacle of uh, success and achievement and validation and purpose that you could ever desire or fathom to have. You, you have it all, basically. The king of the universe, the God of the universe came as, as, a, as a human being, as, as, a, as a little baby boy in order to not intimidate people. This is why the gospel, um, it's, it's deep enough for the greatest theologians to, uh, to, to dive into and it's shallow enough for even the, uh, the most um, uh, baby of Christians to walk into and to both be affected by it. So that's, that's the, you've won. You've, you, you, the gospel is, is, is it. Jesus is it. He, he is the greater thing. It's not like, oh, we, we come to Christ and we're like, well, now we need a miracle. It, it's not, you, you've already received the miracle. You've already experienced the greatest miracle you could ever possibly receive. And that's salvation. And so, um, when, when, when Jesus was walking towards his disciples on the water and they, they were afraid and Jesus passed by them. And we often read that story and we're like, wow, incredible. Jesus walked on water. But what is more incredible from that story is not that Jesus walked on water. It's that Jesus walked at all toward the disciples. So Jesus is our greatest miracle. Jesus, the fact that we are not um, we don't have to save ourselves is the greatest miracle that that's, that's the, that's the apex, right? So if you have this, uh, mindset, if you have this worldview, if you have this narrative in your life that you're not starting from the bottom, now we hear, that's not where you're starting. You're, you're starting right here. You've, you, you've already achieved it. Jesus achieved it on your behalf, basically. So now why is that good? That frees you up to love people in your life who don't love you back. That frees you up to be content in all circumstances. The gospel frees you up to be okay that your friend or your brother or your sister or another spouse or another marriage or another couple is significantly a hundred times more successful than you are, even though they have no pedigree for it and their credentials do not warrant their success, but they still are successful. That frees you up. The gospel frees you up to be a church planter that preaches the same exact message from the same exact Bible every single Sunday. And maybe your church is not gonna grow like a mega church grew in America of the mega churches that we know of. And the fact is there's only about 11 or 1200 mega churches in the United States, which means that it is an anomaly. It's not the norm. It's not the norm. And we, we can't normalize that. It's, it's a special move of God and that's completely fine. And, and, and that's why the gospel is so great. And that's why the gospel is so refreshing because it frees you up 
to be the person God created you to be so you're not worried about all these other peripheral matters. So, so instead of starting somewhere like at the bottom here and saying, well, I wish God would give me success and I'm climbing this ladder and I'm going here and I'm getting better. That's all good. But understand that you, everything you could ever want, you've already achieved. You've already received it in Jesus Christ. And now you can go and work hard. You can go and be successful in life. You can go and love your spouse. You can go and start a new business. You can go and be generous with your time and your money to your local church. You can work for your boss as you work unto the Lord. You can do all those things and you do it well and you crush it at those things. You do it really well because look, look what happens. You're, you, you work and you, you raise your family and you do everything to the best of your ability that God has given you. And at the same time, you're like, Jesus, all the validation, all the approval, all the success, all the significance I could have ever wanted, I've already received in knowing that you love me and that you care for me. You've won. You've won. That's it. So um, that's why I want to I wanna encourage you guys and say that Jesus is more about who, are, who you are becoming than what you are doing because what you are um, becoming is going to shape what you are doing. So render to God which that which is God's and that's your entire life. That's the gospel narrative. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fuel for Life podcast. You are part of a tribe that wants to feed your faith, excel in life, and stop at nothing to reject mediocrity from every area of your life. If this podcast has impacted you to take action and change your life, would you mind letting the secret out and share it with those around you? Let's increase our Fuel for Life nation and have more people listening in more places so that more lives could be changed and that people would experience immeasurably more than they ever imagined according to God's power at work within us.